0: 48
1: News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Todd Harding. Tonight's headlines. Twelve opposition figures are barred from standing in the LegCo elections. The government backs the move and says people who oppose the national security law can't be legislators. And former Taiwan President Li Dongwei dies aged 97. The authorities have disqualified 12 opposition figures from running in the LegCo polls. They include four members of the Civic Party and prominent activists like Joshua Wong and Lester Shum. Damon Pang reports.
2: The pro-democracy camp was hoping to gain a majority in LegCo so it could pressure the government into accepting the demands of protesters by voting down government proposals. But anyone with that kind of mindset is not eligible to be a legislator, the administration says. So out of the race go three incumbent civic party lawmakers, Alvin Young, Dennis Kwok and Kwok Kee. And then there's the national security law. Expressing opposition to this also means someone can't be in LegCo, the government says. And this means election bans for former Demosisto leader Joshua Wong, localists Ventus Lau and Fergus Leung, district councillors Lessa Shum and Tiffany Yun and former journalist F Ho. Mr Shum says the scale of the disqualifications has caught him by surprise.
3: The scale is totally insane. I think it's beyond all of our expectations that all of the candidates who have been in opposition of the national security law have been disqualified from joining the election. But that's the overwhelming consensus of the Hong Kong people that we are in opposition of the national security law firmly. I think the message is very clear that the Beijing government cannot allow any opposition voices in Hong Kong. I think this not only signals the end of so-called magical elections, Definitely signals the, end of
2: one country to the government says it welcomes the decisions of the returning officers to reject the 12 nominees. In a statement, it lists out other ways that the authorities are able to conclude that a would-be candidate would fail to uphold the basic law, including if they advocate Hong Kong independence or encourage foreign intervention in SAR affairs. The government says it respects and safeguards people's right to stand for election, while also warning that
1: more disqualifications could be on the way. The Civic Party says by screening out would-be candidates, the authorities are depriving voters of the right to choose who represents them in LegCo. Here's the party's leader, Albin Yeung.
4: Those who are in
2: control of this this disqualification, they are probably very worried about us. After the primaries, you can see a huge turnout. You can see Hong Kong people are so united. And so after last November, they thought, hey, maybe we should not do something similar again. So they have to disqualify people in such a massive scale. And this is a clear reflection of the fact that they, not us, are in fear.
1: Former Demosysto leader Joshua Wong says the poll bans show Beijing's total disregard for the will of the Hong Kong people. The excuse they use
5: is that I describe national security law as a Dracolian law which shows that I do not support this whipping law. Beijing now staged the biggest ever crackdown on the city's election by disqualifying nearly all pro democracy runners from young progressive groups to traditional moderate parties. With the chilling event generated by Beijing, it's not the time for us to give up and surrender.
1: Hong Kong's last governor, Chris Patton, has condemned the series of disqualifications, calling it an outrageous political purge of Hong Kong's Democrats. He says the national security law is being used to disenfranchise Hong Kong residents and the authorities have shown that it's now illegal in the city to believe in democracy. Former Taiwan President Li Wei has died at the age of 97. Mr Li, who was the island's first democratically elected president, had been in hospital in Taipei for several months. Tom McElhinden has more. Lee Teng Hui was dubbed Mr. Democracy for burying autocratic rule in favour of freewheeling pluralism. First made president in 1988, he became the island's first democratically elected leader in 1996 in a landslide victory that followed eight months of intimidating war games and missile tests by Beijing in waters around Taiwan. The events brought the mainland and Taiwan to the verge of conflict, prompting the United States to send a carrier task force to the area in a warning to the Beijing government. Inaugurated that year, Mr. Mr offered to make a journey of peace to the mainland, but Beijing branded him a splittist and said he should be tossed into the dustbin of history. Mr Li's term as democratically elected president ended in 2000, when the Kuomintang lost the election that year to the Democratic Progressive Party and former human rights lawyer Chen Shui-bian took over. You're listening to RTHK. The time is coming up to five minutes past 11.00. The government is scrapping a blanket ban on dine-in services in restaurants just a day after it came into force. From tomorrow, customers can eat inside again during the daytime. Priscilla Ng reports.
6: Pictures of workers eating their lunch on the streets, inside toilets, storerooms and even refuse collection stations sparked public outrage with people across the political divide accusing the government of being unreasonable and out of touch with the grassroots community. In a statement to announce its U-turn, the government acknowledges that the dining-in ban caused some inconvenience. So, it's back to the previous arrangement, with restaurants allowed to let customers eat inside between 5 a.m. and 6 p.m. But restaurants can only operate at half their capacity, and there is a limit of two people per table. Tables will also have to have partitions installed or be spaced 1.5 meters apart. Chinese University infectious disease specialist David Hui says the government is right to backtrack on the dining-in ban.
4: We do have a lot of workers who have no offices, Uh, so allowing restaurants to serve lunch uh, and and breakfast, uh, limiting up to like two persons per table and this would not contradict the uh, gathering ban.
6: University of Hong Kong microbiologist Hopak Lang, meanwhile, is urging people to refrain from speaking when they're having their meals and to put their masks back on as soon as they've finished eating.
1: The city's health authorities have reported 149 new COVID-19 cases, another record high, with all but four of them local infections. Francis Sit reports
5: another day and another record high number of new COVID-19 cases, with 145 of the new patients catching the virus locally. While 84 of the new infections are linked to previous cases, officials have no clue about the source of transmission for 61 new patients, and there are another 73 people who have tested positive in preliminary tests. Despite the figures, it was the government's decision to allow daytime dining-in at restaurants to resume that took the spotlight at the latest coronavirus briefing by the authorities. The Undersecretary for Food and Health, Dr. Choi tuk conceded that the ban, which lasted just two days, was a flawed policy. But he said officials quickly moved to adjust it after seeing the situation on the ground.
4: We realise the implementation and also the peripheral measures that may be necessary for this new measure may not be the best arrangement. So I think the proper way we have to respond now is to make adjustments to this new measure so that people who go to work and have the need to take a meal outside will have a better choice.
5: Among the new virus cases are two more taxi drivers and another person from the Cornwall elderly home in Tun Moon. An existing cluster at the Shengshui Slaughterhouse has also grown, with another two workers infected and three more testing preliminary positive. Authorities said the transmission could have occurred due to contamination of the environment there, and the site has been disinfected the hospital authority meanwhile says four patients being treated on general wards in public hospitals have now tested preliminary positive for the virus including a four-year-old boy a chief manager of the authority, Sarah Ho says it's hard to make sure infected people aren't admitted to general wards, but screening has been expanded to help detect those who don't show any symptoms of the virus. There
7: are quite a number of asymptomatic COVID confirmed cases in the community. So no matter how stringent or vigilance we are trying to screen those asymptomatic populations. In order to minimize the uh, possible transmission inside our medical ward, we have implemented enhanced surveillance program in um, HA. So
5: we will screen those high-risk patients even if they are asymptomatic. The authority also said close to 200 confirmed coronavirus patients were waiting to be taken into hospital.
1: An 80-year-old man infected with COVID-19 has died tonight, bringing the death toll linked to the virus here to 25. The man lived in Chilok Estate in Tai Sin, where there's been a cluster of infections. All newly confirmed coronavirus patients aged between 18 and 60 in a stable condition will be sent directly to a treatment centre on Lantau as soon as it opens this weekend. The hospital authority says the centre at Asia World Expo will initially have 500 beds and will help alleviate the burden on public hospitals, which are reaching capacity. Wendy Wong reports.
0: The hospital authority says work to turn a hall at the exhibition centre into a medical facility is almost complete and the site is expected to open within two to three days. Initially, 500 beds will be available. But officials are already looking at putting more beds in another hall there to expand capacity in case the coronavirus situation in Hong Kong worsens. As soon as the centre opens, all COVID-19 patients aged between 18 and 60 will be sent there and doctors will examine whether the conditions are stable enough and they're suitable to stay there. The authority says the arrangement is aimed at reserving beds in public hospitals for elderly patients or people with serious chronic illnesses who are infected with coronavirus. Doctors and nurses will be on duty around the clock at the centre and facilities such as blood taking services, x-ray machines and a pharmacy will be available. A consultant doctor with the authority, Dr Larry Lee, says the workload of medical staff at the site won't be too high despite the large number of patients.
4: The workload there will be less according to each patient because the patients are relatively stable and you can tell the patients can have the vital signs to be checked by themselves and also they will have the medication that will be prescribed on day basis. That they, The patient will take the uh, medications by themselves as well. So the workload will be less for the doctors and the nurses, and we enable the teleconsultations and the telecare. So I will think the workload will be fair enough for the, for the healthcare worker right there. Okay?
0: An infection control officer, Vincent Chan says, although the air change rate at the centre won't be as good as that at public hospitals, it will still be good enough. In the setting
8: of the Hall 1, in the Asia World Expo because the volume is so large so it is very difficult to have a twelve air changes in such a large volume. Therefore, in an engineering perspective we used another parameter to measure this. This is the volume in terms of the liter of air per second per person to 80 liter of air per second per person. So in the whole 1 of Asia World Expo, it satisfied the criteria.
0: Meanwhile, the Authority's Director of Quality and Safety, Dr Chong Kim Lai, has apologized to newly confirmed COVID patients who couldn't be taken into hospitals right away in recent days, saying the new center will help improve the situation.
1: Amnesty International says the arrests of four Hong Kong students yesterday under the national security law is a significant and alarming moment for freedom of expression in the city. The group's Asia-Pacific regional director, Nicholas Bekelin, says the four could face life in prison if found guilty of secession based on posts on social media. He says this lays bare the draconian nature of the national security law and sends a chill throughout society. Mr Bekelein says the Hong Kong authorities must stop using the legislation as a pretext to excessively restrict human rights. Security Minister John Lee has told a pro-Beijing newspaper that the authorities' top priority is to eliminate what he says are bad apples in the education sector. He also says the media need to be taken to task. Maggie Ho reports
7: in an exclusive with ta Kung pao john lee says officials will be proactively supervising schools and won't just wait for complaints to come in before they take action to sort out any problems he says it took twenty-three years from the handover for a national security law to be brought in and this means Hong Kong students have been indoctrinated into believing what is wrong is actually right. The president of the Professional Teachers Union, Fong Wai Wah, says the minister is making groundless accusations.
3: He wants to spread white terror among the teachers and also to uh, exert pressure on the education sector. It is not the teachers are not performing good, it is the changing political atmosphere that Mr Lee made this kind of complaint or accusation. So I think what he had to do is actually provide concrete evidence before making this kind of accusation.
7: Mr. Lee also says the government could legislate to regulate the media and strike a blow to any press organizations which are promoting independence. The secretary says he will study media management systems overseas and look at how they penalize outlets for wrongdoing. In the meantime, he says he hopes the media will remain professional and practice self-discipline.
1: To business news, resilience in the domestic market has seen the mainland tech firm Huawei overtake South Korea's Samsung to become the world's biggest seller of smartphones in the second quarter. Huawei shipped almost 59 million units in the period, 5 million more than Samsung. A reminder of our top stories tonight, 12 opposition figures are barred from standing in the LegCo elections. The government backs the move and says people who oppose the national security law can't be legislators and former Taiwan President Li Hui dies, aged 97. The news from RTHK.
9: RTHK
1: it's time now to look at stories covered in this evening's News Wrap programme. The former leader of the Democratic Party, Emily Lau, says the arrests of four young students under the new national security law last night and the apparent plans of Carrie Lam's administration to postpone the Legco elections are sending shockwaves around the world. She told RTHK she was very alarmed by the detention of the four, aged from 16 to 21, for alleged acts of secession.
9: Last night I was taking part in an online seminar with Hong Kong people, Bernard Chen, uh, professor albert chan and also many in the united states and uh, albert chan was saying oh the law not going to be applied don't worry and so on as we speak they've just arrested a few youngsters for the offense of possession. so everybody shut up so i can tell you this is sending sharp waves to America, to all the places around the world. Because on the one hand, people like Albert Chan and Ronnie Tong and Bernard Chan were trying to say, hey, don't worry, the law's not going to be applied, as long as you people don't uh, step on the red line. But then you have these youngsters, minors being arrested. So people are very, very worried and nervous. And of course, we also talked about the possibility of postponing the Legislative Council election, which will again send shock waves throughout the international community.
1: It, it does look like that is going to happen. I mean, we seem to get the announcements now, don't we, from uh, NPCSC member Tammy Chong. First, he puts them forward as suggestions, and then they seem to become policy.
9: I mean, they, if they want to, they can do it. But it's the consequences. And I heard your news earlier saying even Ronnie Tong was worried about the impact uh, both here and overseas. And here, of course, people will say that, oh, you're taking out away our political rights. And then they say they're doing it. Uh, they're using emergency regulations on medical grounds. But then these expert is political and health september should be
1: postponed isn't that ridiculous it seems at the moment uh, that they're looking at the problems that delaying the election for up to a year which seems to be the consideration would cause constitutionally Uh, ronnie chong said earlier that the colonial area emergency powers regulation could be used that that would overwrite the ledge co-ordinance is that your understanding
9: done any research on this, on what law should be used. But if if Ronnie is right, uh, which he sometimes is not, but even if it's the case, so why should we? Why should we invoke the emergency powers again? Bearing in mind there's a case pending in the court of final appeal on the last usage. And also, I mean, it's so they all know that whatever administration wants to do has very thin legal grounds so a they have to use the emergency powers uh, uh, in that law and they have to go to Beijing they say they need to go to Beijing even Yip Kok him as the DAB member of the executive council said they have to go to Beijing for Beijing to either make a declaration or make a decision or make an interpretation to make the whole thing legal so what they are trying to do does not stand up in our legal system. And again, they have to go outside to get outside help. So to, to the whole world, to the Hong Kong people, we don't have any high degree of autonomy anymore. If that continues, like what the president of the UK Supreme Court said, Lord Reid said, if we don't have high degree of autonomy, uh, their judges are not going to come and sit on our court of final appeal and judges from other common law jurisdictions like Australia and Canada will will not come either. So our rule of law, our independence of the judiciary will be finished. No more one country, two systems.
1: Former Democratic Party Chief Emily Lau speaking to Mike Weeks. Chinese University infectious disease expert David Hoi has dismissed a call by the mainland respiratory specialist Zhong Nan for extensive territory wide screening for COVID 19 in Hong Kong. Dr. Zhong says city wide testing is needed to detect asymptomatic carriers. But Dr. Hoi told Priscilla Ng that targeted testing is a better approach for the city.
4: Well, uh, it would be quite difficult for this to uh, implement in Hong Kong because we have limited testing capacity and also if you test indiscriminately uh, it may not be very cost effective Uh, one can be negative on one day and but there's no guarantee that he or she will not be infected uh, in a few days or next week so uh, i mean for the mainland that would be easy because they have uh, unlimited testing capacity but in hong kong where we tend to be more target-based uh in terms of testing
6: he said that we could seek help from from the mainland uh, in terms of expanding our testing capabilities do you think that that's necessary then
4: Uh, we do Uh, if we are facing a a major outbreak there is limited capacity in hong kong in terms of testing so even now uh, the government has already uh, introduced two mainland companies into hong kong To help testing the 0.4 million people in the four high risk groups, including the taxi drivers, the restaurant workers, uh, nursing home carers, and those working in property management. Without their help, uh, it would not have been possible to to, uh, do all this major testing.
6: So, you think that for now, basically just testing these high risk groups is already good enough?
4: If we focus on this high-risk group, uh, that would be important. Mm-hmm. And we also need to, of course, uh, target the close contacts and also at the residential buildings where there are you know, some outbreaks uh, happening in some floors and uh, the whole building uh, can be tested for the uh, the residents.
1: Mm-hmm. So I
4: think mean, target-based testing would be uh, the more cost-effective way in Hong Kong.
1: Some hospital authority laboratories have been running 24 hours a day as the government ramps up tests for COVID-19 amid the latest surge in infections. The authority and the Department of Health are conducting around 10,000 tests between them each day, pushing their labs to the limit. Our reporter Joanne Wong spoke to one of the unsung heroes toiling away every day to try to make sure all these tests are done quickly and accurately. Ruby
10: is a medical technologist... She works in one of the hospital authorities' main laboratories. During the ongoing coronavirus surge, the lab's workload has more than doubled, churning out more than a thousand tests a day. Ruby's job is to conduct PCR tests to detect even the slightest trace of coronavirus hidden in patient samples. Her machine can do multiple tests at the same time. And Ruby's challenge is to prepare the
8: samples and get every test right every time. You can only do 96 within an hour. So every time we need to continue pipetting and then put in a machine, pipetting. Just like a robot, I think. <laughs> it's the same. The sheer volume of work means Ruby and her colleagues can't afford to take a break. You just say, oh. We can't go to the toilet. Maybe just 10 minutes lunch and then we need to continue to work. The lab runs around the clock and all med techs are having to work overtime
10: for two or three hours every day just to keep pace with all the samples they're sent. But she says it's taking longer and longer for them to process all the tests, up to double the usual time because they're just flooded with so
8: many the limit, of course, is the manpower because our colleagues, we need to handle each sample carefully and then some colleagues will do some checking. Ruby
10: says it's easy to see the outbreak is getting worse as a higher percentage of samples are coming back positive. In the worst batch, she you can recall, around 20 were positive for
8: COVID. At that time, I just want to mark down all the results, don't mix up. <laughs> of course, it's the first I need to concern. And then, of course, we need to report to our microbiologist, to the doctor, and let them check if there are some chronic cases or known cases.
10: (laughs) Being around the virus every day has its risks, something that really hit home
8: when Ruby developed a cough. Too scared. Until uh, now, there is no right treatment for this virus, right? Because no vaccine right now. Uh, we don't know if any side effect after getting infected. It's a novel coronavirus, so everything we don't know.
10: She too went through the anxiety of waiting for her test result. She described her joy upon hearing that she's free of COVID nineteen.
8: Mr. Happy just like I got a job.
10: <laughs> it's a job that she and her colleagues are going to have to work hard to keep doing as Hong Kong struggles through its worst wave of coronavirus infections yet. With no sign that the surge will ease anytime soon, Ruby will continue to be at the forefront of the effort to detect COVID cases as quickly as possible, to rein in the outbreak as far as possible.
1: Efforts to contain the spread of the coronavirus have led to some unintended consequences for the city's environment. Used surgical masks started washing up on our beaches and have been polluting our hiking trails. Social distancing requirements at restaurants have also led to more reliance on takeaway and delivery services, producing an abundance of disposable plastic packaging. Edwin Lau from the Green Earth Organization told Richard Pine more about what they've been finding. In a normal
3: rubbish bin, it is full of, not the normal garbage, but full of the white plastic bag wrapped with the lunch box and the noodle cups and the disposable cups that not just fill the whole rubbish bin, but they are left around the rubbish bin and put on top of the rubbish bin. And this showing that a government with this uh, no dining-in rule having some other environmental problem, the waste problems created, and they haven't thought through it carefully. So it create another environmental problem and hygiene problem that they have to deal with.
2: Should they have um, come up with some plans for dealing with that consequence?
3: I think even the government needs to roll out this no-dining-in rules. Before that, they need to really publicize, to educate the public and also to encourage the the restaurant to allow or to facilitate more customers to use their Mm -hmm. reusable food containers, cups to buy take away food, instead of just one optimist, or take away food uh, contained in disposable lunch boxes and containers, but I didn't see the government do this promotion, encouragement, parallelly with their note dining-in rules. So it is very disappointing. And now the government are relaxed. There are no dining-in rules.
2: A lot of people will still be getting takeaway food, won't they? So it is still important to consider these problems.
3: Certainly. This problem will not go away once the government gives some relaxation to this. The government still need to come out and do the encouragement and promotion and to really talk to the F&B industry, to the uh, chain restaurants, to encourage them to have a uh, discount facility, the customers to have the reusable container for buying takeaways. And those companies that provide takeaway service for restaurants, you should also really quickly think of Green alternatives, such as having reusable containers for keeping food for delivery to their customers, I think we have to consider environmental protection, reducing waste, at the same time while we are preventing the health risk. So protecting the environment and protecting public health can coexist. They should not be displacing each other. This sort of thinking is so outdated. This is should not be like this. This is no good for our health in the long run. So government should not be so short sighted, just to take care of the health issues due to COVID-19 and forget about the long term environmental sustainability.
1: Those stories were part of the news wrap program, which was broadcast on RTHK earlier this evening. <laughs> True to me So remember When you tell those little White lies that the night Has a thousand eyes You say that you're at home When
2: you phone me And how much You really care Though you keep telling me That you're
9: lonely I'll know if so
2: true to me, so remember when you tell those little white lies that tonight has a thousand eyes,
1: one of these days you're gonna be sorry, cause your game I'm gonna play, and you find out without really trying. for Bobby V in 1962. The title track of his album as well, The Night, has a thousand eyes. If you're expecting Uncle Ray Cadero, well, he's taken a few days off. I'm Kevin Lewis, with you through until one.
5: John Fred and the Playboy band...